how hot does a tin can on a tarmac in Las Vegas get in there? Like, it had to have been oh, just brutal. Just I, I saw scorching. some photos, and people are like tank topping it in shorts, and like I can imagine a lot of shoes were off. This is just sure my nightmare. Smells fantastic. Oh my gosh! It smelled like the corpse flower in there. <laughs> from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee. This is Wisconsin's Morning News. In for Vince Petrano, here's Eric Bilstad. So who's left? Is Michael Buble, is he the, does he carry the torch now? For, the heir apparent, yeah. For that type of crooner? Sam Smith, maybe? He's more of like a... More poppy, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think so, yeah. With, um... Uh, Tony Bennett gone, Johnny Math is still around, Tom Jones still around, but Michael Buble is more, I mean, he's a younger generation, obviously, and doing that type of work, or type of uh, singing. Harry Connick, does that count? I wouldn't be, speaking of Harry, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, a Harry Styles in 20 years does something like that. Like, he just, like, I'm trying to think of people who are, like, singer-artists that are interested in the craft of making music as opposed yeah. to just kind of sticking in a lane. I wouldn't be surprised. Hmm. Speaking of Harry Styles, my prediction, I predict that he will be the halftime show at the Super Bowl. You heard it here first. And if I'm wrong, I'll never bring Inside it up. Inside sources again. telling you that or how you get <laughs> there? Yeah, in my brain. <laughs> sources are telling me in my head. Uh, so, yeah, um, Tony Bennett passing away at the age of six, uh, 96, almost made it to 97, two weeks shy of his, birth, uh, his birthday. He had been struggling with Alzheimer's for the last several years a big story that we expect to learn more about coming up in at the White House today, and we'll see how much this actually, how much work this actually does. Uh, but the White House is going to tackle AI. If my intelligence is artificial, then why am I smarter than you? Yes. So a big, big meeting with major artificial intelligence companies that is on the president's docket today. So. Commander-in-Chief is going to meet with executives from Amazon, Google, Inflection, Meta, Microsoft, OpenAI, all of these, these tech companies that do this type of stuff. And apparently, they are making a new voluntary commitment to add more transparency and safety to artificial intelligence technology and the content that's generated from it. So, this includes a number of different things. This would include watermarking systems, so users know when content is AI-generated, plus sharing information on managing AI risks with governments, civil society, and academia, so they're going to share all these details with each other and be transparent about it. Here's the thing, though. What if they don't? <laughs> what is the White House going to do about it? It's not law. There are no guidelines. They're voluntarily just saying, hey, no, we'll be good. We're cool. Sure, we'll share the info with you. Yeah. We'll put a warning on there. Pinky swear. <laughs> like what, what, We're good for it. Yeah, and it's not even an AI pinky. It's real. What, what I don't understand what this actually does other than just to say, hey, you know, we're cool. Now, the White House says they are working closely with Congress as they figure out some type of AI legislation that would regulate the technology as well as working on some executive actions that could be announced in the coming weeks. I just don't know... In the meantime, other than just saying, yeah, we're not going to do stuff, and, and they are. They're still going to develop. They're still going to push boundaries because that's what companies in any industry do. In this case, they're saying they're going to be cool. We're going to be transparent. We'll show a watermarking system, which I don't know what that does. Um, 
and I, I'm glad they're doing something. I just don't think this is enough. I don't think so either. And it's a complicated question, right? Because this is a perfect example of tech kind of moving faster than we can, no, not we, they can legislate, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you can't make laws for something you don't know. This isn't minority report. You can't just assume something is going to happen. Right. So I think it's, it's interesting. You know what it does though, Eric, and you and I have both been in the news long enough to be, I think a little bit cynical about it. <laughs> skeptical. A little, skeptical there you go. Might. I like that. We're skeptical about it, but it gets, it, it gets an issue that many people are concerned about in front of them. And then every single person on that panel, and every single statement that we see over the weekend saying like, yeah, no, we're concerned with it. Well, what are you doing? Yeah, well, we don't really know, but but we're concerned. Like we gave them an avenue to ask questions and it'll be a circus and it'll be all those things. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if anything can realistically be done. And think about this, like how much this is influencing everything. There are several factors. First one being, look at the strike, the Hollywood strike. We're, go- we're going on right now with the writers and with the actors. And a lot of that strike has to do with the fight over AI, AI presence and likeness of actors and be, uh, actors and writers being able to control and prevent uh, AI from siphoning what is theirs, what is their likeness, or what is their work. So you have that aspect, right? So you have the entertainment aspect. You also have this arms race. You're talking uh, about Mike Gallagher, the congressman from uh, Wisconsin, who was on Wisconsin's Afternoon News yesterday. All types of AI concerns as it pertains to arms races. And what that looks like, he mentioned China during a conversation yesterday. We should not be allowing American money to flow into Chinese AI companies. So the single most important thing to do to slow them down is to put guardrails on outbound capital investments so we're not subsidizing our enemy's project to destroy us. And then, even on top of that, you have journalism now, Google, admitting that it's going to start offering up more AI reporting and journalistic opportunities, although that already happens more than you realize. I can share more details on that in a bit. It's 818 on Wisconsin's Morning News. 823 had mentioned artificial intelligence and its dip into the journalistic industry. CNN reporting this, uh, the New York Times reporting this as well, that Google is developing an AI tool for news publishers that will be able to generate article text and headlines, might even be able to do some social media posts. And uh, Google statement says, hey, look, we're really actually going toward the smaller publishers so think of that idea for a minute. You know, we have some of the uh, the smaller newspapers, the smaller towns. The, you have newspapers that are struggling in some areas and other entities, and Google thinks it can help with that. Um, Does it? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, the new tool comes as tech companies, uh, tech companies, including Google, race to develop and deploy a new crop of generative AI features into apps with the promise of streamlining tasks and making employees more productive. Hmm. You know how you get good journalists, though, is have them actually write stories. <laughs> like you can't. Like, where do you think the, the the investigators come from? They don't just wake up and go work at the New York Times. Oh, you're right. Um, something to keep an eye on. The one thing I will say about that: a lot of this is already happening. So my kid plays baseball, uh, and there's this awesome app. And anyone who's got a, a a kid, actually, it's not even just kids, but it's an app called Game Changer, and basically you can watch. If you're not there, or if you are there, you can follow the game on this app and see when your kid is batting, and it'll do pitch by pitch and whatnot, and it's pretty cool. And when the game ends, if someone's controlling it. There's somebody you know at the game that is controlling the book, if you will. When the game ends, it immediately creates a game story, like immediately. So it'll say, like, Eli B., 
pitch two scoreless innings as this team beat that team, yada, yada, yada. And it'll like kind of go through and like just it does it in a second. And it's just the algorithms are written there for it. It's kind of neat, but it's also like, boy, <laughs> what am I looking at? It's just one of those things that if it's already happening on an app like that, clearly they can find ways to make that work someplace else. I would argue too easily, probably, yeah, right? Like, oh, I mean, sure, it's yeah. probably already done. If you think of a video game or something like that, I right? mean, there's, yep. there's if you're playing a basketball or whatever, like the, it kind of knows, it learns your tendencies mm-hmm. as a player and kind of can adjust to that. So that stuff is already kind of happening where it, it knows common uh, activities and things like that. So Mike Spaulding, I was devastated today to learn something that I should have known. I should have known this, and I'm devastated that it's the fact. I, I Everything's about money. Everything is always about money. Yeah, of course. And I've said that forever. That's like been my adage. Hey, no, everything is always about money. And this happened, and I'm just devastated. I had um, been blown away, still am, that NASA did this remarkable feat. I've said it before. They, they shot out a rocket to a moving asteroid, landed on that asteroid, collected some materials, and now are flying that material from that asteroid back to the planet, and they're doing that so they can study the whatever they got, the the iron ore or whatever it is, and they're going to study it when it lands. I think it's supposed to land here in, in another couple of months, which I just think that's an amazing feat. They also moved the trajectory of a different asteroid by flying into it. Again, kissing your muscles right there. I mean, that's that's what dreams are made of. If you want to be the man or you know be the hero, that's how you do it. Uh, NASA's flexing. But now I'm learning that, you know what, maybe it's just about cash. An asteroid loaded with $10 quintillion worth of metals is edging closer to the U.S. for us to reach out to. And NASA is now announcing that in less than 100 days, it's going to launch a spacecraft designed to study an asteroid potentially worth $10 quintillion. And why would you study uh, an asteroid so expensive? Because you want that money and that material back on your planet. Who determines ten quintillion dollars, though? We're gonna have a toy appraiser on with Sandy here <laughs> coming up in an hour. I, I, how do you? No? Yeah, let's just say quintillion. Yeah, so sure. the belief is, I think they know this from the studies, but the asteroid's thought to be made up of gold, iron, and nickel, and its ore is estimated to be worth around ten, with about fifteen zeros after it <laughs> dollars. And uh, they said, yeah, we're going to go try to get that. And NASA announced a collaboration with Elon Musk and SpaceX to reach that middle-rich body. So there you go. All this talk of exploration and excitement to move asteroids, to learn about asteroids, is really just another way to make a lot of money. You know Jacques Cousteau wasn't just looking just to find the ground of the ocean, right? He Stop was it. looking for, he was looking for something. For, that was the romance of the sea. Wisconsin's Morning News with Vince Vetrano. Vince is back Monday. Eric Bilstead, my thanks to Mike Spaulding for sitting in. Hey, by the way, a couple of quick things. Coming up at 9 o'clock, so Sandy Max is solo today. can have a couple of people in studio with her, but uh, Steve Scafidi is in Vegas. Uh, Sandy Max in the 9 o'clock hour on WTMJ now is going to have Reince Priebus to lead it off. So we're going to hear from uh, the former head of the party, uh, the Republican Party, get his take on a whole series of different things, RNC, what to do about Trump, yada, yada. So Sandy will start that off right after the news at 9 o'clock. So, Mike, I know you. So yeah. I, I know that this is the last place <laughs> you would ever want to be, and I'm right there with you. So 
A Delta Airlines flight, this happened a couple of days ago. The DOT now investigating after a Delta Airlines passenger plane was overcome by heat. All the people on board sitting on the tarmac in Vegas in 111 degree temperatures for hours. One person at least had to be taken to the hospital. Others were struggling as well. And now the DOT is going to investigate Pete Buttigieg, the secretary. The reports are shocking, and we are investigating. I want to know how it was possible for passengers to be left in triple-digit heat on board an airplane for that long. Even at normal temperatures, a tarmac delay is not supposed to go that long, and we have rules about that. The most amazing thing about this to me is that aside from just, bing, hitting the button and saying, hey, when are we going to get out of here? Everyone on that plane has a phone. So call somebody. I'm just shocked that no one, after so much time, just because they didn't have AC, the temps were just scorching on that tarmac. I'm shocked that those those passengers didn't get up in arms and demand to be taken off that plane. There are things you can do, I feel like, as a business to make things you know not as miserable for your customers. Yes. Like, could... The airline just unlock the Wi-Fi for everyone. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, do, do something. something. <laughs> like, you know, if you're waiting in a, a, a doctor's uh, office, they'll have a TV. A lot of places are trying to get nicer couches and just more comfortable settings. Airlines are just, all right, well, I guess the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, is mad at us. Delta not <laughs> returning a request for comment to Pete Buttigieg. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, so that's what infuriates me more. Also, the airline says they were there for an hour plus. People said three hours, the discrepancy I'm interested in. Also, want to know Either way. how hot does a tin can on a tarmac in Las Vegas get in there? Like, it had to have been uh, just brutal. Just I, I saw scorching. some photos, and people are like tank topping it and shorts. And like, I can imagine a lot of shoes were off. This is just sure my nightmare. Smell yeah, fantastic. Oh, my gosh. It smelled like the corpse flower in there. <laughs> Eight forty. Greg Hill's pancake breakfast is next. It used to air at five fifty on Friday mornings. We've made a change, so if you're hearing it for the first time, you're welcome. What about breakfast? We've already had it. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? That's what I call a quality tool. Greg Hill's pancake breakfast. Starting this. <laughs> no, it's good. I was going to say, might, I can already read the email. Hey, maybe you go back to the 550 time slot. <laughs> this is when Greg takes up the leftovers. He, we call him Pancake because he used to work at the Pancake House. And there's always stories that don't make it, always don't make the show. And that's when uh, Greg scoops it up, makes a nice little skillet action there and it tastes fantastic so well done (laughs) so different uh we actually did talk about this on the show last week but i don't think we gave it enough oxygen so here's what we do remember when we talked about the water sommelier these professionals who study all things water to a scientific level here's one of those sommelier water sommelier no way it has to be from the onion or something like this that is water sommelier martin reese and these sommeliers, what they do, they study things much as a wine sommelier would do. They talk about texture and taste and, yes, even water pairings, much to the disbelief of Wisconsin's morning news host, Vince Vitrato. Water pairing? What does water pair well with? All of the things. That's, that is not wrong. So, <laughs> a water sommelier, a legitimate job with yearly conferences, water judgments, competitions, yeah. etc. So I looked it up. I was curious, what exactly does it take to become a water sommelier? 
Well, you can actually take a course, and there's three levels. The first course is Fine Water 101, which is basically like the registration. You sign up, you watch this video, here's your certificate, bing, 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 you're on your way to become a water sommelier. Okay. It gets a little more intense than that. The second of the two courses, you have to take a test, watch a video. Now, the third test to be an actual water sommelier, you need to watch videos, take a test, and you need to have an in-person test with two water sommelier experts. Where okay, you taste good. water and go through the whole thing. Now, unfortunately, we do not have that kind of time. So, Eric Bilstad, Mike Spaulding, what we're going to do is we're going to do a water sommelier test right here on the air. You will find yourselves in front of four plastic cups, mm-hmm. paper cups, filled with different sources of water. And you're going to have to take turns, drink the water, and determine if it's either A, from a bottle, from a can, or from the tap. Now, as you see, I mentioned three things. There are four yeah. cups in front of you because the curveball is one of those is the same. <laughs> so you need to determine which it is. And boys, I need to remind you, we are on the radio, so you need to be as descriptive, as dazzling, and as detailed as possible. So go ahead, take your first sip. Cup number one. All right, one. I will record your answers. We'll see if you're right at the end of the segment. What do you got? Tastes like water. It does taste like water. Actually, I do feel like I'm getting a little metallic. Okay. Something in there. Again, bottle, can, or tap. I'm burning through here. Two. Oh, you're going to go all of them at once? Two does not. You know what? Two doesn't feel as. um, Two feels softer and it's warmer. So I'm going bottle for two. Okay. So one for now, I'm thinking can, but bottle for two. Are we just listing these as they happen? Or I mean, are we yeah, writing I, these I thought, bad boys I down? Thought I'm writing them down, so I got your answers. Mm. So feel free to change. I thought we... Three is also room temperature, which makes me think it's not from the tap. So maybe I'm wrong on this. <laughs> details, boys. Details. Hmm. What do you I'm, think? One is can. So four and three. Four is cooler. Um, but not as cold as what one. What about the notes? What about the legs? Uh, see, I've got metallic uh, stuff in one. Number one, number one lingered the most. <laughs> number one ling- had an aftertaste. Number two seemed really clean to me. Like clean tasting. It's soft, if that makes sense. It's Absolutely. Like this, it, 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 doesn't, yeah. it doesn't hurt your tongue. <laughs> hurt it, your tongue. It, it so doesn't going... attack the, 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 what are the things, tannins? There's no tannin there you go. See? in any of that. Look at this. Yeah. Certification on your way. Yeah, thanks. You do have to pass the test, though. I feel like I can taste the fluoride in four. (laughs) Is it affecting your brain? (laughs) I'm going... All right, so one, which I feel like that's cannish. Two and three, I'm saying, are bottle, and I'm going to go four. I'm going with the tap on four because it's, it's got a... It's not metallic, but it's got a note similar to the can, so I'm going to take two and three together. Uh, all right, Mike, what do you think? I'm going to go number one can, number two tap, number three tap, number four bottle. Tap, tap. No way. And two and three bottle. were too warm for a tap. He just filled these You know they're warm, <laughs> warm faucets. Maybe. All right, you guys want to know the answers? Yes. To see if you pass the water sommelier test, number one is indeed the can. Yes. All right. Okay, so well done we're there. We're in agreement there. Now... Number two, Mike said tap. Eric said bottle as they finished their last couple swigs. Yeah. It is, in fact, from the tap. Ah. Okay. Number three, Mike said tap. Eric said bottle. So he said that these, you two are at least in agreement that these tasted similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
who's correct, though, would be Mike Spaulding because it's from the tap, which is. means all four. Mike Spaulding gets the water sommelier oh, expertise. Big water guy. from the bottle. Big water Big guy, water guy over, over here. here. Boy, that bottle didn't do it for me. Number four. Mm, interesting. Good bottled water. It's good bottled water. You no, know, it's interesting, though, is that, like, I, I don't know years ago if I ever would have been able to even tell a difference between any of these, but since now we consume water so much more than we ever did. Whoa, in the was past. that not a thing in the, like, the 90s? You, you guys didn't drink, drink water? water? It was like, maybe from a drinking fountain occasionally, but I'm nowadays, like, my kids never leave the house without a giant water bottle that Same. they fill up a yeah. million times. My wife and I have water bottles, we carry them everywhere. It's more of like a, a thing and an expectation now than ever before. Greg. Are we doing wine wine sommelier next week, or well, you, should I come back for that? You guys thought they were cup full of vodka, so it might be a Tito's I was say, test. Uh, Tito's was, was too. <laughs> wish. Just don't smell it beforehand. So whether you're a water sommelier hobbyist or you just understand that without water we will cease to exist, remember, stay hydrated, everybody. That has been Greg Hill's pancake breakfast. What is the worst name a dude can have? Ooh, um, probably Greg. Greg? Yeah. How many Gregs do you know? I know a couple, actually. You just hate them? They're just, I just don't like the name. I, the guys are fine, just the name is just, it's an immediate turn off. Your forecast sponsored by Dave Drake Hamp Heating, where your comfort is their family's tradition. Sunny today, a high of 81. Partly cloudy tonight, some spotty showers, a low of 65. Saturday, Sunday, highs in the 80s with a chance for showers on both days. Right now, in Milwaukee, 69 at 853. So here in another hour, you're going to start seeing the Blue Angels tear around again. They're going to be um, doing their demonstrations and their practices today for the uh, the big event over the weekend, the Air and Water Show, which kicks off tomorrow. So I wanted to bring this back. I had a couple of people asking about this, got a couple of emails about it as well. So yes, uh, I did fly, not with the Blue Angels. I flew with the Thunderbirds. And uh, I want to take you with me inside the cockpit. Here's how it sounded flying with the Thunderbirds. They're the ambassadors in blue, the United States Air Force Thunderbirds. These pilots fly with precision, grace, and speed. So what does it take to become a Thunderbird pilot? I thought I'd give it a shot. There you go. So just go ahead and pull down a little bit. I'm going to give you a... I'm sorry if I pull your hair. After some training and learning what gears to strap on, slow roll, then we will get into maybe a clover. I sat down with my pilot, Major Scott Petz, call sign Cheetah. Do not Steven Seagal it and try to land the jet from the back seat. He and I headed out to the bird. What's running through your head now, or is this just old hat for you? Oh no, I'm always thinking about what we're about to do. So we have what we call our bubble. The bubble is very important, and that's where we focus and prioritize the task at hand and aren't focused on family events. We're not focused on. Uh, anything that's going to be a distraction to our performance today. So. Picking up dry cleaning or something like that? That's exactly right. We got into the cockpit. You ready, my man? I am. Let's do it. Let's do this. And then we were off. We're heading. Here we go. <laughs> the first maneuver put us more than 10,000 feet in the air in just a matter of seconds. Told you, nothing to it. Enjoy the view, man. That is awesome. Then a quick barrel roll or two. Strapped in. You ready to go? I think so. All right, man. We're going straight up over the top, okay? Nice and easy. Altitude. Altitude. Here we go. 
straight up over the top. But by far the most intense moment is when we pulled nine G's. This will be a quick turn to the right, okay, my man? All right. It feels like you're nine times your weight. Just like a break turn as if we had a bad guy behind us. Okay, good body position. Ready? Here we go. Here come the G's. There you go, 9.1 G's. Oh, my God. Holy cow. Holy cow. Did you like it? Oh, my gosh. What the hell was that? That was 9.1 G's. Nice job, dude. Oh, my God. Holy cow. Welcome to the 9G Club. That was... Oh, my gosh. Did you like it? It left me a little confused and lightheaded, but I loved it. How'd that feel? And even though I did get a little green, I would do it again in a heartbeat. We're going to put it on the deck, my friend. Afterward, Eric Bilstad, other than, well, he's known as Wild Bill today, went out and got to experience a, a day as a fighter pilot with the United States Air Force Thunderbirds. Yes. He got a little airsick, but he kept wanting to rally. All right, let's go again, let's go again. So he uh, handled it with finesse and grace. There are times when you felt like you were floating. There are times when you felt like you were you couldn't move. There are times that were like just exhilarating when you could see the ground over your head. I'm blown away. I'm blown away at just the, the overall experience. It's just ridiculously awesome. So yeah, not many people can pull that off, be able to fly those things the way they do, and then be able to walk and not be sweaty in a puddle when they're done. Uh, very impressed by both the Thunderbird and, of course, the Blue Angels who are flying this weekend. Blue Angels, part of the Air and Water Show, starting tomorrow. You'll see them up in the air practicing again today at about 10 a.m. Wisconsin's Morning News wrapping up. My thanks to Mike Spaulding. And Adam Roberts for filling in today. Greg Pancake Hill, of course, uh, for everything as well. If you missed anything on the program, including a fantastic interview with um, Miss America, Grace Stanky, who is a former student. She's graduated now at UW-Madison with nuclear engineering. So she talked about Oppenheimer. She talked about Barbie. You can find that on our podcast page. Just text the word Vince to the old National Bank Talk and text line 855-616-1620. We'll send you the podcast page. You can listen to your heart's content. Hi, Sandy Max. Good morning. Grace Stanky is one of the most well-spoken people I've ever met. Right? At this stage in her career, yeah, she's got a, a lot of promising future ahead. Mm-hmm. Grace Stanky, Wausau native. Uh, you'll remember that name because it's going to come back around. You're going to hear that name again once she's not Miss America. I promise you that. And I also love that she blends that scientific analytical brain with the totally creative by being a musician on top of yep. it and then obviously very physically fit if she's also what a water skiing champion as well right yeah and she can play the violin like yeah. the best of them what so, do you got coming up it's a big hour next hour and uh eric bilstad will be joining me for it um it's usually the political <laughs> big, big hour it's usually the political power hour on WTMJ now with me and Steve Scafidi. Mm-hmm. Steve is on vacation, uh, and so is Joe Zapecki, uh, Democratic strategist, mm-hmm. and Bill McCoshin, Republican strategist. And it's usually a very hearty conversation between uh, the bipartisan. Uh, uh, we all get along, but have some very hearty sure. conversations yeah. in the political power hour. That will be back next Friday in its regular weekly spot at 9 o'clock. There's so much going on politically next month with the Republican debates for mm-hmm. determining a presidential candidate. And also, obviously, we're a year away from the Republican National Convention. So we're going to get a status update on awesome. both of those projects. 
with Reince Priebus, who you remember was former chief of staff yep. in the early administration for former President Donald Trump and is now the chair for the Republican National Convention host committee. So Reince Priebus will join us for the first half hour, and cool. then uh, Congressman Brian Stile will join us for the second half hour with his updates on a little bit more local updates on the debates and the convention. That's the first hour of WTMJ Now. Here we go. Then you go back into the newsroom, and Brian Noonan, who you hear on WTMJ okay. Nights, he will be the guest co-host. And with Barbenheimer that you were just talking about, yes. Alex, um, I dug in my basement and found old Barbies. They are not in boxes. They are not pristine. I call them free-range Barbies. <laughs> okay. They're the ones with the wild hair Road and Barbies. Different, ar- okay. different outfits. Yeah. yeah, But I noticed other boxes of toys. It's like, oh, my God, I'm... Am I saving these because I think they're worth something or am I saving these because they're sentimental? And I'm convinced a lot of people have boxes of toys of all kinds in their mm-hmm, basement. Uh, so we have Henry Smith from the Toy Dimension uh, store that's been here for almost 25 years at 60th and North. And he's a toy expert. So we're going to take calls on the talk and text line and uh, find out if your toys are worth anything and if my free range Barbies are worth anything. And uh, spoiler alert, Brian Noonan brought in. A Barbie in a box from the 2000 Democratic National Convention. It's a Barbie that was only given to delegates. Wow. That's got to be worth something, doesn't it? But <laughs> Just to even see a unique Barbie like that. Well, you need is one person to be interested in. And That's true. And we'll also hear from uh, Anna Marie Erdman, who is an Uber Barbie collector. Uh, she joins the show as well. So we, from politics to pop culture, we we've go. got it covered on WTMJ Now today. WTMJ Now with Sandy Max is next.